God is good. God is good. All the time. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a difficult thought to process uh, at different times in our lives. Uh, there's a lot kind of going on at any given moment within each of our lives that uh, sometimes we can hear that statement and we can boldly and proudly and quickly proclaim all the time. And then there's times where it's, it's just not that easy. And, and so then you have to kind of go back and say, well, okay, well, what is that? Why, why is it that way? And, and that's, I, I feel like that's kind of ultimately what we're even doing here this morning, you know, in the bigger kind of zoomed out picture of, of just trying to understand who God is and, and understanding and examining, examining the evidence and making a decision, not just through our emotion, but through logic and, and reason to, to dig down into the scriptures and, and to try and understand what it means to be uh, one of God's children, uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so within each of our lives, there's uh, these different things going on. There's these different challenges. There's certainly a lot of um, things to celebrate. There's, there's good times that happen, and there's difficult times. And, and as a pastor... I uh, have uh, an obligation, and, but, but also it's, a, it's an honor to step into those difficult times with people, right? So, and really anybody uh, who is a, a Christian who's made Jesus Lord of their life to some degree has this same responsibility. So as a kingdom of priests, as, as a group of people, as the body of Christ, we are His hands and feet. I think as a pastor, when you take on that designation, um, you might uh, get to see, or have to see, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, different sides of that, that that are a little bit deeper, maybe, maybe some are darker and, and more complex. And I've seen where when these difficult times hit people during those darkest moments. And, and you all know what that is. To some degree, each of you have experienced these, these challenging times. The, I call them the storms of life that, that tend to pass through. And in the, the natural world, we get to see, I think, a reflection of what goes on in the spiritual world. Uh, this morning, some storms kind of came by our area. They were a little further south and I think east of us. But we could hear them, right? We could hear the thunder, or at least in Wiley here, you could hear those. There was a little bit of a sprinkle on the ground, um, but somewhere, somebody was smack dab in the middle of that. And they were in the middle of that storm with lightning crashing around and the rain pouring down and certainly a bit of fear elevating in their minds, wondering what the extent of that storm will be. And so again, I think the same thing happens for us both as Christians and for non-Christians where these different storms of life uh, start working their way through. And for Christians specifically whose hope is built 
on the belief that the creator of the universe is actually in charge. We believe that and that he has control over his creation. Sometimes the questions just start pouring in. Will he come through? Will he show up? Will he do what he promised? Will he provide for us? Will he heal? Will he save? Will he strengthen? Will he? Will he? Will he? Where is he in those moments? And those questions and the doubts and fears all start getting bigger and bigger. And, and in our more sane moments, we can look back at the Scripture and understand that life is really, really hard. It's difficult. And there was never any kind of promise that it would be some other way. I think people have tried to paint it up as something. Make God this kind of cosmic cop slash genie who if we say the right things or do the right things, we'll be free of any kind of frustration or worry or heartache or, or discomfort. But there's just no promise of that in the Scripture. There's, that idea is, is vacant in the Scripture. And there's something I, I think even quite the opposite. This Acts series that we just wrapped up, and for those who weren't here through the summer, we spent... I don't know, 12, 13 weeks, something like that, going through Acts, maybe longer. And that was just a reminder for me of the difficulties that accompany the Christian walk. And Paul had a, a certain set of difficulties because of what he was doing, right? Trying to take this gospel message uh, that a lot of people were just completely against and trying to push that forward into a world that hated the message, that didn't want to hear it. But it's, it wasn't just Paul. We saw examples of even non-believers in the Scripture and the challenges that they faced in the course of their lives as this Gospel message made its way across the world. I've been thinking quite a bit about Bree's talk from last week. Uh, I've got some different issues going on with different people kind of spread across our family of churches and I'm stepping deeper and deeper into some of the most challenging situations I think a pastor can actually step into. And I remember what Bree was saying last week, thinking about some of the thoughts in her own mind and, and just wondering and thinking through this idea of, of waiting on God. You remember her talking about that last week? If you didn't hear it, I'd suggest you go back and listen to her sermon. And thinking specifically back to the heroes of, of our faith, you know, that Hebrews 11 kind of faith's hall of fame right through there. You go through there and you read that and you see God's people challenged over and over again in their ability to wait. And Brie asked this question, what if they didn't wait? What if they didn't wait? Wait on what? And I think it boils down to the ability to wait on God's faithfulness. For him, waiting for him to do what he said he's going to do. And so here's a fact for you. You are either currently coming out of a storm in your life, you're in the middle of one, or there's one headed your direction. No one in here is immune to that reality. Which kind of begs the question, why are we surprised when they hit? I think we're just oftentimes caught off guard, and I think, again, uh, people tend to paint up this idea that for Christians it's going to be some other way. 
But ultimately, it's not the storms that change for us. It's the hope that we have in getting through those and what's on the other side of them. And here's another thing that I know, both in the midst of my own difficult times and in walking through storms with many other people, is that God is faithful through and through. And Austin, you can go to the next slide. This is my point for today. I'm kind of into these one-point sermons, so I'm going to make it simple. I probably spend way too much time thinking about these. Like, I wordcraft these over and over again, and finally I land on something. I'm like, okay, that's good. And I go and look up definitions, and it's probably too much. But this is what I want you to walk away with today. And remember, again, whether you're coming out of a storm in one right now or there's one coming, that your God, Jehovah God, is faithful through and through. And that phrase through and through just means in every aspect, thoroughly and completely. And we can't boast of that. In our flesh, we can't boast of that. We can't say that we will be faithful through and through. God can boast in that. And why should I believe this? Because ultimately, God is true to His Word. And there's this concise and clear definition of what it means to be faithful. That there's consistency between what God says He's going to do and what He does. And that there's um, consistency between what He promises and what He performs. And as you walk through the Scripture and look across the entirety from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the story of God's faithfulness unfolds in this very clear and concise picture that He is true to His Word. Faithful through and through. And so I was thinking, as I was thinking about the sermon for this week, we usually uh, use this Sunday right after a series to do what we call a value Sunday, where we step back into one of our core values and talk about that. But again, in, in light of what I've been experiencing personally uh, lately, I wanted to come back to this and reassure the body of this to encourage you to think through this thought and to take great comfort and joy in it. This idea that God is faithful through and through. So we're going to look at just a splattering of scriptures here over the next few minutes. Uh, as I build my case for you, I'll give you some challenges and then we'll wrap up. Let's start in the Old Testament where it's full of examples and proclamations of God's faithfulness. The first in Exodus 34.6. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This was where Moses was receiving the second set of tablets and, and God was, you know, talking him through that and giving him this. Moses was frustrated uh, with these people who had immediately, once he went up on the mountain, came down before he even got down to the bottom of the mountain, they're already doing things that they shouldn't be doing and he's frustrated. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You know, I, I, as I was reading that and thinking through it, I was thinking about that word abounding and just what that means. And, and to step outside of what we humanly know is possible in love and faithfulness. And that's what we see in God. And don't take this, I want to just caution you real quick, don't take this and offload this or shove this to the side of as some thought. That's some scripture in the Old Testament. This is for you. 
This is your God in His fullness and the Scripture proclaiming exactly who He is. Numbers 23.19 God is not human that He should lie, not a human being that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? Deuteronomy 32.4 He is the rock. His works are perfect and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and justice is He. I just want to draw your attention to this, this word rock that's used here. Uh, a couple of summer ago, probably three or four summer ago, summers ago, I went with a friend of mine uh, to Brazil. Uh, he's uh, he's in the stone industry, and he was doing a buying trip over there. And so I went with him, uh, and we got to see kind of the process of how stone comes out of a mountain and is cut and quarried, or quarried and then cut and polished, and how that all ultimately ends up in somebody's kitchen. And I was just blown away as we looked upon these mountains across the landscape of Brazil. And you could see the rock. You could see that that rock ultimately had been there for a long time and it wasn't going anywhere unless a human stepped in and kind of messed it up. And I love this imagery of of that's who God is. He is our rock, firm and sound and not going anywhere. Lamentations uh, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. So this was written by the prophet uh, Jeremiah. He was lamenting Israel's fall to Babylon. And it's this book really of just grief. But then kind of piercing the darkness of this, this particular book, uh, Jeremiah says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. Joshua twenty-one forty-five. Do you guys like this kind of like cool thing I'm doing up here. It's kind of cool. This took me a long time, so y'all better like this. But I was thinking about those like posters, you know, that zoom in on words and make all that. So this is my best attempt at it. So this is what you get. But Joshua 21:45. not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. And then the psalm is, is full. I just picked out a couple here. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Psalm 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is right and true, and He is faithful in all He does. And so this message obviously carries over into the New Testament. I've got some here that I want you to think about. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord? 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Romans 3.3 What if some were unfaithful? Um, this is uh, Paul here talking about... Uh, uh, some of the Jews early on, and he was kind of commenting on this and said, well, what if some were, unfa- were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. And I love that connection point there for us from our unfaithfulness to God's faithfulness, that our unfaithfulness has no effect on God's faithfulness. 
And so think about that for a second, because we often tie our thoughts and feelings towards God to other human beings. And we think that because they did so-and-so, that then therefore that's a reflection of God. But this scripture is breaking that apart for us, saying that just because somebody else is unfaithful, that does not change God's faithfulness. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. 1 Peter 4.19 And then James 1.17, I feel like this is one that the Spirit kind of laid on my heart uh, early on when I was thinking about this sermon. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I was just thinking about the consistency of God. And it translated eventually into this, this word faithfulness. But again, you think about that in your life and how that's been proven true time and time again. And so then ultimately in Jesus, we see the culmination of God's faithfulness. And he tells us exactly how to build a life that withstands the storms that we will experience. Okay, so follow along with me. I switched over to the message here so that uh, I just like the way that it kind of worded some of this. So let me read this to you from Luke chapter 6. Why are you so polite with me? This is Jesus talking. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir. And that's right, sir. But never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. And so then I immediately start thinking, how is this possible? How is it possible that a house getting hit by the full force of a river and not being destroyed, how does that even come about? And one of the things I started to think about and kind of, of ponder is just this idea that it doesn't remove the river happening, the river hitting the house. It doesn't remove the difficulty, the pain associated with that whole process was still there. But the structure is in place to withstand whatever comes along. And when we look back into the hope that we have in Jesus, and we put His words into practice, no matter what comes, we will survive. Some of you may have seen this picture recently. Um, it's from uh, over in Maui, the fires that kind of swept through Maui. And honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought, that's fake. That has to be photoshopped. Um, because basically, and um, I might be standing in your way, but in the bottom kind of corner here, you see a house that looks relatively unharmed. It looks actually it looks very different than everything around it. Um, and so there's a lot of pictures online of the house itself zoomed in. And I found this one because I think it paints a better picture for what we're talking about here when we talk about God's faithfulness. And when you zoom out and you see the destruction around you, to me, this is what the Christian life looks like. 
This image for me really encapsulates a lot of what we're talking about this morning. That around us, there's a lot of terrible things going on. And, and we're smack dab in the middle of it most of the time. There are still things that happen. And, and uh, the, online, they're kind of calling this the miracle house. And I read an article with the owner, and he kind of cringes at that. He, he was basically saying, look, our house got hit too. Now, it's, it's different because of some of the things that we did to the house. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. But it didn't go unscathed. It had damage too. Obviously not to the degree that was around it, but there was still damage there. But it's there. And there was a lot of preparation that went into this house to get it to that point. You notice the vegetation around this house compared to all the others? They had cleared that out two or three years ago. It's got a new roof that they had just put on. They had a wood roof before, switched to a metal roof for whatever reason. And they did all these things to the house that ultimately when the fires came that they never even thought about coming, the house is still there. And the neighborhood around it and the the charring and everything else that you see, again, is this picture for me of what it looks like you know, to have a house built on the rock. It's this visual, and I pulled a couple of quotes from the, the guy who owns the house in this article. One of them, he says, Our hearts are broken from what's happened, he said. We love our neighborhood and love our friends and just cannot believe that the world that we knew so well and loved, it's gone forever. And again, to me, as a Christian, if, everybody houses, if everybody's houses around me are burning down, this is the statement I'm making. I'm not rejoicing in the fact that my house is still standing in that moment. I'm thinking about the people around me and how I can help them through their difficult situation. And he says, as soon as we can, we want to open it up to our neighborhood and open it to everybody who worked on it as a base to help rebuild our part of the island. You know, it's just, again, this idea that that the difficulty and challenges of life are going to be there. But it's not hard in those storms and in those situations to look around and see God's provision. And and for us as His people to go out then and help people uh, who have been affected in a, in a you know, really tough way by it. So let's talk about some application points first real quick. And I want to just go back to this statement. God is faithful through and through. So in your life, you're experiencing some kind of storm or challenge. And here's what I will tell you. You can trust God to keep His promises. You can trust that the God of the Bible and the story that unfolds within it will be there as a base and a rock for you during your difficult times. And you can remember things like the fact that God promises to never leave or forsake us. To always be there for us. And we can build something on that. You might not like what's happening in the midst of it, and that's okay, because even in that, God can make something great come out of that. Certainly in those times of trials and difficulties, aren't there amazing lessons there for us? Aren't there things that in those moments, only in those moments, can we be shaped in the way that He shapes us? And so there is good that can come out of those. And we trust in God's Word to get us through that. And we lean into His people and into the Scripture. And we look for the lessons and the opportunities to grow. Another thought. We can rely on God's love. God's love is completely unconditional. We can always go to Him for that forgiveness and grace. We can trust that that will never, ever run out. 
There are no shifting shadows in him. There is consistent. He created the light, and, uh, and that is, you know, something that we can really build on. And then finally, we can wait on him. He will show up. Again, just going back to this thought of what does it mean to wait on God, to trust him? You know what? You might not see the answer to that in your situation in your lifetime. We see that's pretty consistent throughout the scripture that there's people who it takes generations and generations for God's promise to come through. Does that mean that in the midst of that, he wasn't faithful? No, we're part of a bigger story. We're part of a bigger plan that he is working out. And so we have to wait on him and trust him and know that he is true to his word and that ultimately he will show up. So that cha- that's the challenge for you is to think through those things, to remember God's faithfulness, that again, in the midst, in the moments of, of challenge, heartache, frustration, whatever it is that you're going through, that you can step into this and really believe and trust that what he says is true, that his promises are true, and that, that he will come through. You guys say a prayer with me. Uh, Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that even in the midst of, of our unfaithfulness, in the midst of the uncertainty in our lives, that you are constant and you are true. Uh, help us to, uh, to believe that. Give us power through the Holy Spirit to, um, to believe that, to practice it, to pass it along to the people around us whose worlds are charred and, and burnt. Um, and and give, us a, give us a dose of your Spirit, again, to understand that and to really press into it. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen.